Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, all right, here we go. We are going into episode seven of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. Episode seven. That's crazy to me. Like, I, here we are. That means seven consistent weeks of episodes have been released. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I mean, I feel good about it. So thank you guys for still being here. If you are here, you're still listening. Shout out to you because we have so much more to talk about. But yeah, let's get into episode seven of today's podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about attachment styles. So I am a licensed mental health counselor and I love personality theories. I love attachment theory. I've always I've always been drawn to attachment theory since I was in grad school and I learned about it and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Um, so attachment theory is a form of therapy that I like to use personally. But um, yeah, I just want to talk about it and talk about how it relates to immigrant households and specifically second gen immigrants, right? So children of immigrants and how adult attachment styles, attachment issues show up for them, okay? So we've talked previously about intergenerational trauma and I think dealing with attachment issues um, is a form, I guess I would say, of intergenerational trauma because it's something that usually occurs because the previous generation didn't deal with certain stuff. So I feel like for children of immigrants, attachment issues happen because of a lot of emotional stuff that isn't dealt with. So if you didn't listen to the episode about intergenerational trauma, that was the one before this, go ahead and listen to that episode so you know what I mean by intergenerational trauma. But let's talk about adult attachment issues and what that looks like, um, in my opinion, for um, children of immigrants. So um, attachment, attachment therapy. Is a, is a form of therapy that, like I said, um, I like to use and a lot of therapists are using more and more now is definitely one of those um, things that is so much talked about so much more on the internet and people are talking about it. They're like diagnosing themselves with certain type of attachment styles. First of all, Attachment styles is not a diagnosis, okay? So it is a theory that um, that 
mental health therapists use to guide and inform the therapy that they do with their clients, but it is not a diagnosis. So you cannot go into the um, diagnostic manual of mental health disorders and see, you know, anxious attachment or avoidant attachment. No. Um, but it's it's a guide, and I, and I feel like it's a very informative guide because, um, like I tell people all the time or the people who don't really believe in therapy, everybody that comes to therapy doesn't have this major mental health diagnosis. So it's not always something that you point into the DSM and you find that this person has this diagnosis, so this is what we're working on. Not, so, not necessarily. Um, for certain purposes... Like insurance, there has to be a diagnosis. That's a whole nother topic for another day. But generally, people don't always have a major mental health diagnosis, so they come to therapy. Some people are just trying to work through stuff, okay? (laughs) They're trying to work through things that affect how they show up in their day-to-day life. And having a therapist helps them tap into certain things that they may have not been aware of or subconsciously that they've been dealing with, or um, instances in their life, especially in their past, that they can't really wrap their head around or understand the reasons for, um, or why they act a certain way today. All of that stuff is why people go to therapy, because they want to really work through that and show up as their best selves, right? So I, I... I say that to say, you know, we're not talking about stuff that, again, is somebody who's like dealing with this major mental health crisis, but it is something that um, attachment theory helps inform people and helps them make certain decisions based on what they know about themselves and how they show up in their adult relationships which goes into emotional focus, emotionally focused therapy, which is another thing, another topic for another day. I think if you guys want me to do an episode about emotionally focused therapy specifically and what that looks like in the mental health space, um, I can, uh, because that's, that's really actually using attachment theory um, in a way to help people understand how to manage their emotions. So, yeah. But anyway, I just want to talk about attachment styles and the styles that I feel like I see a lot of times in immigrant um, households and children of immigrants, right? So this may, again, touch on other episodes like I was talking about with um, intergenerational trauma and codependency and other issues. But... um Basically, the the attachment theory is something that was started by a psychologist, uh, John Bowlby, to be specific about who he is. And he was doing, this was based on research that he was doing on children. So what his research revealed is that children had um, different attachment styles. So this, these attachment styles were formed based on children's experiences with their primary caregivers. So the people who raised them. For some people, that's their mom and dad. For some people, it's just their mom, just their dad. For some people, it's grandparents, other relatives. So basically, the people who raised them, they 
form an attachment style with that person at a very young age, okay? So as soon as the child is born from birth, there are different things that help form a child's attachment style. Um, and that's basically uh, the, the primary primary caregiver's ability to meet or not need not meet that child's emotional and physical needs okay so with attachment styles you can have um different attachment styles and uh or a combination of some but for the most part people usually fall into uh, four categories of attachment styles, okay? Um, but basically, again, the, the research shows that, that the way, the attachment style that children form, um, with their primary givers growing up shows up in their relationships as adults, okay? So, um, that's why attachment theory is really an accepted, theory and accept, acceptive form of therapy because it really helps understand, um, it really helps un- adults understand how they deal with attachment issues, okay? Um, so, so what do I mean by an attachment issue? So attachment styles come in four, uh, John Bowlby basically was able to come up with four attachment styles in his theory. So there's secure, there's anxious, there's avoidant, and there's disorganized, okay? The ideal attachment style, ideal, quote-unquote, is secure because in this attachment style, this is um, where the primary caregiver is attentive to the child's physical and emotional needs. So the child then feels safe. They feel secure in the care of their primary caregiver, okay? So, for example, if a child, and I think, and this was actually done in some studies. Um, I remember when I took, I forgot which course, but we talked a lot about psychological studies. And there was an attachment style study that was done to basically see what type of attachment style a baby had, um, and they basically watched a, a baby and their mom's interaction when the mom would drop them off to a particular location, right? So this was like an experiment that was done where um, they're watching the interaction. So it's very much a, a curated space, right, where they have toys and stuff, and they see how the child reacts when the mom drops the child off to this new space, new environment, and leaves, okay? So hopefully this this visual will help you paint a picture of, of what attachment style looks like. So in this experiment, if the parent drops off the child into this um, space or playroom and leaves, a child who has a secure attachment style they're going to look around for a second and be like, oh, where'd my mom go? But, um, okay, there's these toys here. Let me play with these toys. Um, 
you know, my, my mom will be my mom will be back. Let me enjoy this moment that I have playing in a room full of toys, especially because I think in the experiment, like the, the mom says something like, you know, I'll be back or something like that. This is with like toddlers. So the the child is able to, you know, play with the toys and be OK and they're good. Like they they are not crying or super antsy that their mom left they're okay with their mom leaving and they're okay with playing and enjoying themselves. So basically that's a secure attached uh, secure attached child. And that usually happens because that parent through raising them has met the needs that the child has. So if the child needs a diaper change, the mom is on it is able to change their diaper. If the child is crying insistently, the child, the mom is able to hold that child and soothe them, you know, hold them close to their chest and, you know, have that one-on-one -on -one interaction so that child is soothed and feels calm again, you know, because they were crying. Those are some of the small things and not even small, but big things. Um, they, they may seem small, but these are the things that allows the primary caregiver to be in touch with a child's physical and emotional needs. Because at a very young age, a baby into being a toddler, the child doesn't have much language, right? They don't, they don't have the words. But being able to attune to them looks like, you know, hearing them cry or hearing certain coos and different sounds to know that this child has a particular particular need and when they have that need making sure that need is met and not letting it go unattended okay so that's what building that secure attachment looks like so in that case again that child feels like okay when I cry my mom's gonna um soothe me when um I need my diaper changed, she's gonna attend to that. When I'm cold, she's gonna put a sweater on me. Things like that, right, enforces to a child that there is a person who's going to attend to things for them. Um, and as that child grows up and not even gets into like um, uh, adolescent years, but even around five or six years old, where the child has more language, um, if a child has a need, right? Like they, they are expressing some kind of hurt or pain and the, the, the parent or the caregiver is able to say, you know, it's okay, or let's talk through this or help me understand what your pain is, right? Because they actually have the language for that then again, that reinforces to that child that my needs aren't met emotionally if I have, if something is wrong, right? I'm not going to be ignored. So if I'm crying, my mom will ask me why I'm crying. If I am, you know, looking sad, my mom will address why I'm looking sad. If I'm, you know, throwing a fit, my dad is going to address the issue and why I'm throwing a fit to make sure they understand why that is, right? So that's what helps a, a child have a secure attachment because emotional needs are met, so are physical needs, okay? 
So, so what then happens is this child usually grows up to be an adult who is trusting, right? They trust that if they're out here in this world, people will do right by them because they've been given examples that show that they, they are taken care of. They can be taken care of. So they have trusting personalities. They usually have a high self-esteem. And that goes back to some of the stages of development stuff that I talked about before. But they have a high self-esteem. They're not afraid to be alone. So they know what it means to self-soothe. Um, and if they're going through something, they, they are able to balance basically relying on other people, but also being able to rely on themselves. And that usually comes with being able to handle negative emotions. So they know how to do that well, and they have an overall strong sense of self. Okay. So someone who's a securely attached because they've had all these experiences, as a child where their physical and emotional needs were met, they end up being an adult who has these abilities, right? Trusting, high self-esteem, they're not afraid to be alone, and they really um, have a strong sense of self, okay? Let's talk about anxious attachment. So um, a child with an anxious attachment style um, develops this child, develops this uh, style when the caregiver is not able to provide a secure attachment bond. So they, the child then experiences, experiences distress, okay? So this, this varies, okay? So some people with anxious attachment styles have needs that were just not met at all. Um, for me, I've seen it be on a spectrum. And for some people, their needs were somewhat met. Basically, they weren't sure if those needs would be met at, at certain points. So um, that that creates distress for the, the child. And that's how they end up growing up to be individuals with an anxious att attachment style. And what happens with an anxious attachment style is when I was talking about the examples before, sometimes it's physical needs that are not met, right? So that child, you know, um, needs to be picked up and held and soothed because they're crying and they're not. They're just left there. Um, or, you know, the child does have... Um, is sitting in a wet diaper, for example, for a long time, and, and the parent isn't addressing it. They just leave them in that wet diaper. Or it could be an emotional need, right? So the child is a little bit more antsy, and they do have um, a lot of sensitivities, and, and they're, they're crying about different things, and the parent doesn't address that. They're, they're not attuned to, to the child's feelings and helping them understand and work through the emotional issues that they have so they're not they're not showing up in that way so that's when the child is in distress and they don't know if um basically the parent hasn't really created a safe and secure space whether physically or an emotion emotionally for that child so they don't know if that that parent is going to show up in the way that they need as a child so, 
Um, a lot of times a person with an anxious attachment style shows up in adult relationships where this individual is afraid of being alone. They can't deal with negative emotions. So if, if things are uneasy, un uncomfortable feelings for them, they don't know how to cope. Um, and oftentimes they struggle with showing up as their authentic self. So their sense of self is not as stable and they have trouble showing up as who they truly are. Okay. So that's what anxious attachment style looks like. Avoidant attachment style is almost the opposite of anxious attachment style. Um, and it's, and it also develops in the same way as a child where the child is under, under distress because their caregiver just has an inability to meet their physical and or emotional needs. So this looks like as an adult, the adult not really being able to have vulnerable conversations. So they dismiss vulnerable, deep interactions, basically keeping people at an arm's length, don't know how to get too close. Um, they are almost overly reliant on themselves. So they compulsively want to rely on their own self versus anyone else. So there's not a balance there. Um, and they oftentimes intentionally disengage from having meaningful, meaningful connections with people. So they, they prefer not to connect um, deep emotional connections with individuals. Um, and remember, these are all coping skills for people. So whether you're anxiously attached or avoidantly attached, you do these things to cope because underlying all these attachment styles are particular fears, okay? So for a person with an anxious attachment style, their fear is of abandonment, rejection, okay? So that's why they cope in these different ways because they don't want to get rejected or abandoned. The person who has a um, avoidant attachment style Okay, they're, they're trying not to get, they have trust issues, basically, that they don't want to get burned. So they're doing these things as a coping mechanism. So they don't put themselves out there. Okay. So yeah, th that's what it looks like to, to, to deal with an avoidant attachment style. So the last one is disorganized attachment style for children. As an adult, it's termed fearful avoidant. Um, but this is the style that usually occurs when a child is harmed by their primary caregivers. So in cases such as abuse, neglect, or other forms of trauma. Okay. So when we think about the first two, um, attachment styles that are not secure attachment, yes, physical and emotional needs may not be met, but it's not to the level of abuse or neglect, it's not to the level where they're always not met and the uh, individual is actually intentionally doing harm, okay? Where these, uh, this attachment style, fearful avoidant, um, are, are more intentional, right? Because it is prolonged neglect. It is prolonged abuse. It is prolonged trauma. Um. 
so what ends up happening with someone who has a disorganized attachment style as a child, they become fearful, avoidant as adults. So this basically creates a push and pull um, of emotions for that child as an adult when it pertains to relationships with other people. So what happens with individuals with this attachment style is they don't even have an an ability to understand what emotions are. Um, and they present their emotions in a very disorganized manner. So people like this, it's pretty hard to understand what they are feeling or what they are dealing with because their um, way of reacting to individuals as an adult looks very much like a mix of avoidant and anxious it's almost hard to tell okay um so yeah that's what um avoidant or that's what sorry disorganized attachment style looks like and what i want to reiterate okay that an attachment issue isn't a mental health diagnosis isn't a mental health diagnosis and it's not dysfunctional at its core so it is an issue that can make it difficult to connect with other adults in healthy ways. Um, but really an attachment issue just makes it hard to have deep, meaning, meaningful relationships with people because you're wounded. Okay. You have wounds from um, the attachment bonds that that were supposed to be created for you to be securely attached, those were not met, okay? So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about attachment styles. Now, when we're talking about attachment and how that this shows up in children of immigrants, what I usually see for children of immigrants is that they are not securely attached and they are dealing with either an avoidant or an anxious attachment style, okay? So um, I'm not going to put the fearful avoidant in this category because, again, that's an attachment style that usually happens due to someone dealing with a form of trauma. So removing trauma from it I'm talking about generally how children of immigrants show up um, is usually some form of insecure attachment. And let me explain, right? Um, hopefully, based on the definitions that I talked about before, you can understand that having an anxious or avoidant attachment style does not make you some super dysfunctional person, right? But it's because certain needs were not met. And in in the immigrant community, I believe what creates insecure attachment styles are the emotional needs of individuals not being met. So a lot of time in immigrant communities, um, tapping into emotions is something that we just don't do. <laughs> We don't acknowledge emotions. What are emotions? What are feelings? If they do come up, you just 
don't even acknowledge them. You move on. You do what you got to do. We we don't have emotions <laughs> almost, okay? And remember, um, if those emotional needs are not met, that's what creates an insecure attachment style. And at the end of the day, um, based on research, based on what it is that we know about individuals, emotions are real. They are true. We all feel them. And it's how we connect to other people. That is the, the, the foundation of how we connect to others. So to ignore emotions, to not acknowledge them, to make it seem like they don't exist is going to create an issue for a child as they try to form a bond with an adult, with their caregiver, if there are not, if their emotional needs are not attended to. Okay. So if you are a child, so, um, I, I, so I'll use myself an example. I have always been a sensitive child, still a sensitive adult. Um, now, I'm not going to say I'm sensitive because I don't want nobody trying to mess with me. But, you know, I'm a G. No, that's just me trying to um, <laughs> defense mechanism, okay? I'm, I'm a G. I'm a G. But no, I've always been, um, I would say, a highly sensitive individual. Um and for that reason, I was a crier, okay? Um, and as a child, I cried a lot about different things. And I always knew that I was sensitive. One, because I just felt it. Um, and two, other people told me that. So I knew that I was just, I was just highly sensitive to stuff. Um, I, my primary caregiver's definitely gave me the messages that those things were not things that I needed to address. So I was definitely told every time that I cried, I needed to stop crying. I needed to get it together. I needed to to, st- to stop having so many tears. Um, I remember one time, and, I, and it's funny now because I've dealt with all of this stuff, okay? I processed it. I've, I've done the work, so... I can laugh. I can laugh about it. But I remember one time my mom told me that I cried so she said that, you know, you cry so much that basically um, you're not going to have enough tears to cry when you become an adult that because you cry so much. Um, I thought that that's I think that's funny. But yeah, it's like things I, I basically was given the message anytime that I had any sort of sensitive emotions, crying anything that was too sensitive it was like chill out stop don't do that we're not gonna go there and it was never addressed okay so when you think about that if those emotional needs were not met um then yeah you're gonna form what for me became an anxious an anxious attachment style because I needed those emotional needs to be met. I was a highly sensitive individual who needed someone to help me manage those emotions. But I didn't get that. Um, So it then perpetuates to being this adult who felt unsure if people were able to attend to my needs, 
who had this fear of abandonment, who had this uncertainty about whether or not I can be my true authentic self in situations. That's how it manifested for me. Um, and I've seen it manifest for a lot of ind- other individuals who are children of immigrants. It also can manifest in a, in a avoidant attachment style where an individual has major, major trust issues, doesn't even want to try to connect to people in meaningful ways because they really, you know, again, never had those emotional needs met. So they fear, you know, really that they fear if somebody's gonna, you know, do them dirty because they are vulnerable in certain ways. So they are the person that, you know, quick to cut things off before somebody hurts them um, and do what they have to do to just get through life, but not uh, connect to people in, uh, strong ways, usually really cannot handle conflict well, okay, um, a avoidant attachment style, a person who has an avoidant attachment style doesn't even want to really talk through any type of conflict, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't even want to argue, I don't even want to have a conversation about what, what's going on, it's not even argue, I don't even want to even address that something's going on, I prefer to dismiss it and act like it doesn't exist, and an anxious attachment style is going to persist almost and um, ruminate on the issue and really rehash the issue because there's such a fear that the issue is not resolved and it's something that they did wrong. So that's how it shows up in adult relationships. And again, this makes it hard to have healthy relationships with individuals, right? Think about someone who is anxiously attached and always has this fear that everything that they're doing is wrong. (laughs) You know, the fear that anytime they show up as their authentic self, they're not going to be accepted. Um, This fear that um, they can't have a negative emotion because if they do, then the world is upside down and they'll never get through it, right? Um, Because they weren't even given the tools to do those things, right? So they didn't know how to manage these things as a child. So as an adult, there's nothing that they really know. There's nothing that really helps guide them to do that when they're in relationships with other people. And it's not even just romantic relationships, it's friendships too. It's just being in relationship with other people can be difficult when you deal with an insecure attachment style. And in immigrant household, I think the primary way that shows up is that we do not address emotions. We don't allow people, especially children, to process things, to bring things to the forefront and express what that thing means for them because it's it's a form of disrespect that's the the cultural narrative is that you don't you don't have conversations about things because it's a form of disrespect to talk about what you need and why you need it and why something bothers you because who are you to have an opinion <laughs> you know and and when we go back to you know intergenerational trauma um you know, like my dad would say certain things that 
Um, again, and, and, you know, like, like I said, I can joke about these things because I've worked through them and I, I understand what this means, but my mom, my dad would joke about certain things, certain things that he would let me do where he would say that his dad, (laughs) his dad, my grandfather, who is no longer alive, um, would basically be like, but basically be like, you don't know how lucky you have it because the choices that you have, I didn't even add those choices. Like my dad would laugh right now if he knew that these were the choices that you had, you know? Um, and I think that's funny because that's, that's, that's a clear intergenerational trauma thing, right? Where it's like, my dad only gave me what he can give me. He did a little bit better than his dad, but there's still some needs for me that personally were not met. That doesn't make him a terrible person, but that does affect how I show up based on the things that I personally need. And I think that's a huge thing that needs to be understood with attachment um, issues is that everybody has a certain personal need. And if that need is not met, then that is for them what can create this insecure attachment style. So in my example, yeah, I was a highly sensitive child who needed certain things. For some other people, that may not be an issue, right? So the experiences that I went through for that person who didn't have that particular need, they didn't develop an insecure attachment style. You know, they're good because they were not a highly sensitive or highly emotional person. So this is not a one size fits all type of thing that, oh, if your mom or dad told you not to cry, then you'll automatically have an anxious attachment and anxious attachment style. Not necessarily. OK, but what I'm saying is overall, when emotional needs are not met, being that emotional needs are how people relate and connect to other people. And we're not meant to do this world alone. We are meant to emotionally connect with other people. If those needs are not met, then that is going to cause some type of insecure attachment bond or a bond that creates a sense of uncertainty or uh, insecurity in whether or not people are going to show up for you. So then what happens is that as an adult, you begin to have certain fears that really become the narrative of how you show up and connect with other people. And that can make it hard to have healthy, meaningful relationships. So that's why talking about attachment bonds is important because we all, we all want to show up as our best self in relationships, I would think. So if we know these things, that's how we can work on unlearning some of the dynamics, unlearning some of the messages that we've learned so that we can know how to show up in our best self. And that's what emotionally focused therapy does. Okay, so it helps you understand your attachment style. So then you can learn how to show up in the best way for you emotionally and when you connect with other people so you can make really informed decisions in your life so if I'm dealing with an anxious attachment style and I know that then I can really think about whether or not the uh the response that I got from somebody is triggering me because 
I had emotional needs in my childhood that were not met? Or is it actually something that I've never dealt with before that, you know, it's, this is something new, right? But it, it helps you really manage your interactions with other people and um, process how to react based on what you know about yourself. So that's why I believe that attachment style is important. And I think the more that we um, talk about that and really talk about the importance of meeting um, needs is how we're able to work through it as adults. Because again, the these insecure attachment styles show up because we, because a lot of times in immigrant communities, we don't know how to connect emotionally. So when I say these things, you know, in terms of like, you know, how my parents didn't attend to certain things that I felt that I needed them to attend to, it wasn't because they didn't love me. Like, I know my parents love me and I know that they're able to show up to me. They show up for me because they have and continue to. However, if they didn't have the tools to show up for me, if they weren't given the tools to show up emotionally, they couldn't give that to me. They just couldn't because they didn't, they weren't given it. They weren't given it. You know, they didn't have a place to process their emotions. I know that for a fact. So how could they model to me how to do it as well? So I don't fault them for that. I just know that that's important because we can't ignore how not meeting those needs impacts adults when they try to be an adult in this world and have meaningful relationships with other people. So I can't, I basically can never deny that or make it something that is irrelevant because it is so relevant to how I show up today. That's why I'm able to talk about it because I know and I've experienced certain things that show me that, oh, it was because there are certain needs that I personally had that did not show up, that didn't, that I, that were not met for me is why I show up in these particular ways in relationships. And I personally have to work through that. And I know that because I've done the work. So it's about doing the work and understanding that, yeah, this stuff is real. This stuff matters. And if we want to show up as our best adult self, we have to be able to say that, yes, emotions matter. So say it with me now, okay? Yes, my emotions matter. I have emotions. They are real and they matter. How I manage them and process them is something that I can do and work through, but I do have emotions and they do matter. And that's on period. (laughs) So hopefully this uh, helped you think about those things and topics. Let's continue this conversation on the YouTube page because I actually want to hear what people think about their um, attachment styles and how that's showing up for them. And, you know, if they feel like they want to work through that because they want to show up as their best self.
So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Surviving Second Gen Podcast. I will see you all in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode or the podcast as a whole, go ahead and leave a five-star review on the podcast page and tell us what you got from this podcast. This allows this podcast to gain more traction and get to the ears of the individuals who want to hear this content. Don't forget to follow this page and share this episode with somebody you know.